Hi, everybody. Welcome to Way Out West Texas and our latest podcast. We've been getting lots of questions and lots of replies on our social media sites, uh, wanting to know how we got started and what kind of setup we're running now. And so we decided that would be a good, uh, a good thing to do a podcast on, uh, give you all some information so that if you weren't familiar with Way Out West Texas to begin with, you will be by the end of this. My name is Shelly. My husband Charlie's here with me. And so let's get started. Like, uh, like Shelly said, we get a lot of questions about how we got started and how people can start uh, working towards a off-grid, self-sustainable farmstead, farmstead, homestead, you know, uh, self-reliant kind of life. And they ask us how we got started, and and it's actually pretty simple. It was kind of a uh, a stupid accident, really, that turned out to be one of the best things we ever did. Well, that's right. Our off-grid journey began in Colorado. Uh, I know that we're in West Texas now, but about uh, 15, 16 years ago in Colorado, we bought some raw land up in the mountains. And after, oh, it was several months of just going up there and camping on the weekends and stuff like that, uh, we thought, well, this is crazy. We own this land. We had taken money out of savings to pay for it and uh, had our fifth wheel up there and thought, well, this is just crazy paying rent on another place and spending most of our time, so to speak, up there in Colorado. We uh, we started out, uh, Shelly would gather everything up that we needed for the weekend and, and go up to the property and and when I'd get off of work on Friday well, I'd go straight up there and we'd spend the weekend and well, usually leave there Monday morning well it started out we'd leave Sunday evening and go home and have supper and get ready for the week and before it's over you know we were up there every minute we could be and it was kind of crazy that we were paying rent on a house and utilities and everything and we were actually spending more time more and more time yeah. there on we called it our side of the mountain and so we made the decision to to downgrade or whatever you call that downsize I yeah, guess downsize, the word, downsize and we moved into our uh our fifth wheel and we also purchased a construction office trailer those portable office trailers that you see on locations building locations and stuff and uh we put it right beside our fifth wheel and our parrots and our bathroom and our bedroom and our bedroom was in the, the con construction trailer and our kitchen no our bathroom was in the fifth in wheel the fifth wheel yeah you know the construction trailer had a bathroom in it but it wasn't usable, so we used the one in the fifth wheel. And we used the one in the construction straight trailer for storage, actually. Yeah, yeah actually did. And uh, you know, when we talk about our fifth wheel, we're not talking about 
one of these with the giant slides that you know makes out the two or three hundred square foot this was a 1973 28 foot fifth wheel so it wasn't fancy it was it was in excellent condition but it was not fancy or huge or or anything but we uh we started living in that and uh but the thing is we wanted electricity up there and we should have checked on that before we moved up there into the fifth wheel but for whatever reason we didn't hindsight's 2020 uh, so we started talking to the local electric cooperative about getting electric run up there. Now you have to understand our property was 45 minutes from town and it was a long ways off the highway on mountain roads. Our house was at almost 8,000 feet in elevation and it was in the forest. We were kind of at the back of a box canyon. It was three miles down to a maintain county road and then another nine miles on the county road to the highway so i mean we were we were up in up in a rugged country but anyway so we got to talking to the electric cooperative and i can't remember how much it was going to cost i remember it being a staggering amount and the wait time was going to be it was I don't remember the exact number, but it was over $20,000 right. to get the lines ran in. And then you had to sign a five-year contract, I think. And uh, it, it was pretty busy up there, a lot of people building and stuff. And it was a 30 to 36-month wait to get power in. They said that if they were in the area that it could be sooner but uh but not much sooner but not much sooner and they couldn't guarantee anything less than 30 months and we were already up there living yeah so uh our solar power uh was born of necessity because we didn't have twenty thousand dollars plus to to throw at the electric company and we really didn't want to wait you know, possibly three years to get electricity up there. And so... And we were we were already living in our fifth wheel, which was, was set up, you know, like most campers and RVs are to... Uh, I don't remember what they call it, but it had a, a, a small converter. I think it originally had two 12-volt batteries and... Uh, you know, it had the inverters and all that stuff to to actually run run the camper. And we had a, a and we had a generator. Yeah, we had a. Now it a, was an external generator. It was a, one that we had as a backup to our power where we were renting. It too, you know, we were right off the highway, but we were still up oh seventy five hundred foot elevation up in the Southern Rockies. You know, in, in winter times, a big storm come along and knocked the power out, and you may be without power for several days. And that was an option we didn't like either. Yeah. So, uh, so we, uh, we, were, we decided to just start with the system that was already on the camper and, and expand it. 
So we, I believe we had six, six, six volt deep cycle batteries, I believe is what we had. And I already had a big, a big generator, uh, battery charger. So we would, uh, the evenings when Shelly was fixing supper, we'd, I'd start the generator and actually run the camper off the generator and also run the battery charger, recharging the batteries, which was kind of a pain because you had to shut all the electric off to the camper and disconnect the batteries to charge them and connect the battery from the inverter or the camper from the inverter to the generator. I mean, by physically moving plug-ins and... Uh, we knew there had to be a better way. Yeah, we... You know, we'd run it a couple hours every night, maybe three hours. Yeah. And that would get us through the evening, and then it would charge the batteries enough to get us through to the next evening. But the cost of putting gas in the generator every day was a pain in the neck. Yeah, I was buying 30 or 40 gallons of gas every two weeks just for the generator. Exactly. And so we, we actually got kind of lucky. A good friend of ours that lived across the canyon up on the other side of the mountain gifted us uh was it one or two it was two 50 watt 12 volt panels and i mean these things were not much bigger than a newspaper yeah they, they were, were small. pretty small but uh you know they actually for what they were they they actually did fairly well well, Charlie was like a little kid at Christmas when he got these solar panels, and he, uh, I'm not going to say obsessed about them, but boy, he dug in and started renting uh, books at the library and getting magazines and reading all of the articles he could find on solar. And you have to remember, this was about, about 15, 10, 16, 16 years, years ago. ago. There wasn't a whole lot of information out there at that time, but he did it. He set us up there where we were where we were supplementing our electricity with the solar panels and uh that just kind of started a fire in charlie and the next thing i know we're budgeting and saving money for more solar panels and more bigger yeah. inverters and charge controllers i'm trying to think all the stuff that uh, he bought, and not to mention the, at that time we had, we started off with all of our solar panels on a wooden rack. Yeah. And then before it was over with, they were on a metal rack. And then some of them were in a different location on a tracking system that Charlie built himself. And before it was over with, when we left Colorado, when we sold our house there, we were up to we how a, many solar or how many watts? We had about twenty six hundred watts. Uh, at that time, when we started this, it was piecemealed. You know, it was okay. We got a few extra dollars, you know, put back, and man, I'd spend two or three weeks shopping for solar panels. And the first new panels we bought, they were one hundred watt, twelve volt panels. And they were over six hundred dollars a piece, and you know that I think we bought four of them. I believe so. 
Is what it was? It's either four or six. No, we got four to start with. I'm almost positive. And then, you know, by the time we got money saved up to get more, well, you know, the the technology was evolving pretty fast. Well, then you couldn't get those panels. The next next best thing you could get was like 140 watt panels. And they were different size, different shape. So yes. we had kind of a... A crazy quilt. <laughs> yeah, kind of a Frankenstein type solar array. I think we ended up with like six different sizes of panels, uh, you know, physical sizes, just because that's what all we could get. And we started out with cheap inverters and oh that's something i really really want to encourage people spend the money on good stuff because how many inverters did we buy oh, over man. the years while we were in colorado we you know i would buy one and they were fairly large sized but they were modified sine wave and and we would have start having trouble with it would burn up fan motors right you know and anything with a, a motor does not do well with the modified sine wave. So, you know, we went to a, a pure sine wave and, and they're fairly expensive. And I think I fried one or two of them. And <laughs> we, I, I know, know one I know of them, we just- I you fried several charge controllers. Yeah, and, and I think one of the inverters, we just flat burned up because we were, we were running it at kind of maximum capacity 80% of the day. So I finally broke down and, and spent the money and got a, uh, a... Our first real good one was a Xantrex, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, but yeah, it was. It, it, but it was only like 1,800 watts. And, uh, you know, every time we get a bigger inverter, oh, well then, you know, okay, now we're at a point where we can actually run a refrigerator well, the refrigerator well, would max the system out, so. Well, and also, while we were building our solar panels, or our solar power system, we were also building a house. Yeah, we, uh, you know, and the house got bigger, and more lights and all that stuff, and, and I ended up, and we bought a, a 3,500 watt, 24 volt Outback inverter, and, Best decision we ever made. And uh, there's no sponsorship at this point. You know, Outback is not paying this to say it, but we have had outstanding luck with the Outback equipment. With every piece of Outback uh, equipment. That inverter, uh, it was, we had, it was about five years that we ran it there. Right. And we left it with the place when we sold it. And as far as I know, they're still running that same inverter. I haven't heard any different, and no. I do talk to them periodically. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Charlie ended up with just this beautiful off-grid solar power uh, system. And uh, at that time, we it was just solar. We did have to supplement our wood-burning heat with propane and we had no wind turbines like we do now. I'm trying to think, oh, and we had to haul water. And folks, when you live in a mountain estate where you get a lot of snow and ice and having to haul water 
uh, we bought our water from 45 minutes, about 45 minutes away. Yeah, yeah, it was about halfway to town. So yeah, 30, 35 minutes away. And yeah, that was problematic because there were sometimes whether it might be that your water or the not the water itself, but the valves and stuff froze yeah. in transport or uh, everything was froze when you got back and trying to offload the water. Or sometimes you simply couldn't go get water because it was just the weather was just too bad. And the, our water system kind of evolved. Also, we started out with just the the water system in the in the camper. Yeah, but as we were building the house, that and was... well, I think it had a is it, I think it was a forty gallon tank. Yeah. And a little on demand pump that when the you turned the water on, the pump came on and it ran. And I, it might have pumped two gallons a minute. I don't think I it did. <laughs> when you did take a shower, it was, oh, uh, just about three or four little small streams was all the water was. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it evolved also. And, and people don't realize there are options out there. Uh, we eventually, uh, our final water system, we had a, a 400 gallon tank enclosed in part of the house. Right. And uh, we had a, a fan on a, a thermostat that would pull warm air from the house. Into the water room, we called it the yeah. water room. Uh, you know, and it would keep that area about 40 degrees, even when it was 20 below outside. And uh, we had a, a uh, pressure pump system that was a pressure tank and a pump, and the pressure switches and the whole thing. That a come, shallow water pump. Yeah, it was designed as a, sh a complete system for a shallow well. And it, it came from Sears and mm -hmm. I think that whole system was three or $400. Right, but it served us well. Yeah, it did. It it served well. That particular setup, uh, we ran it for, I think, three years, and it was still running just like brand new when we left. Yeah, so there in Colorado, we started off with the little solar panels. Uh, when we first started hauling water, it was literally... I can't remember. I think we had a like a sixty-gallon tank. It wasn't very big, yeah. so it would fit in my back of my little pot, my little pickup. Yeah, and I, if I remember right, it was sixty-five gallons, and the tank on the camper was forty. And then by the time we left Colorado, we were hauling. We had a one-ton truck with a six-hundred-gallon tank in the back of it. Right, and so it it evolved over a period of numerous years, you know, and we got our house finished and everything. And about that time, uh, Charlie had some health problems and his job was, he was in the coal industry and at that time. And so it was uh, about that time that everybody was getting laid off and his health was deteriorating and he was forced to leave his job. And we were at the point, we were like, okay, we were up here in Colorado because of your job, though we loved it, our house was beautiful, we had finally gotten it finished, it was just like we liked it, but it's it's hard to live in a in an area that the 
cost of living for one thing was just crazy high. And the traveling back and forth, the hauling water, and the cold weather. And the cold weather was having some very... Uh, Between the cold weather and, and the altitude, they... It was, you were having a lot, a lot of health yeah, issues. Yeah, it was creating some issues. And, and in that environment it's just it's hard living oh yeah it, it's everybody calls it the simple life i don't know where they come up with that because there was nothing simple about uh, our life it was hard work because we weren't chopping wood we were having to buy gas for the generator or we were having to uh get bigger inverters or well, and, more panels you know uh 60 about a 60 mile round trip to haul water and the water wasn't expensive. We, I think it was a penny a gallon, I think is what we when paid for. When we left, for. it was a little over two cents a gallon. Something like that. But, you know, it's it it's 30 miles and, you know, ha or at least a third of that is on, you know, windy, steep mountain roads. And, and it never failed. Every time a big storm would come in, we'd be out of water or propane or something, you know. And so we sat and had the conversation. There was nothing really keeping us there anymore. And we wanted to go somewhere warmer. We wanted to go souther. And we started looking at, at property literally all over the place. I don't know how many trips Charlie made to go look at property, but uh, it, was, it was quite a few. And we looked at everything from from the Florida Keys to Southern Arizona and everything in between. <clears throat> the coast of Texas, yeah. uh, out around Las Vegas. Uh, what they call the Sun, not Sun Valley, Golden Valley in Northern Arizona. You know, like I said, we looked at the Florida Keys and and the Corpus area and, and uh, we even spent Quite a little bit of time looking at the hill country around Austin. It's yeah, it's beautiful country if you ever get a chance to go in that area. But uh, that area is about like Colorado. The real estate is incredibly expensive. The cost of living is incredibly high. Right. You know. And they got lots of bugs. Yeah, and they got lots of <laughs> bugs. You know. But, but it is beautiful country. Huh? It My is. Word. And we, uh, I was working with a real estate broker out of Dallas. Right, and just so y'all know, I was pushing my own agenda here. I was raised in North Texas, and I wanted to go back to Texas. Charlie's work in the oil field had had us in Texas several times during our marriage, and I just, I love the people. I love the, the, the grit and the... The culture, the culture, pretty much anywhere in Texas, is so much different than the rest of the country. It is, and we've been all over the country with your work. Yeah. And so, so we had, I was pushing for Texas. Yeah, we had pretty much decided, you know, uh, either going to be Texas or maybe Louisiana. And then, you know, we started looking at the weather and stuff and, and we got to uh, talking. We had spent some time in the Midland Odessa area. Well, we'd we'd been there four years. But we, we yeah. were there four years. We were there work. four years, and then I was in and out a lot on rotations working that area. 
and uh, when the gas field in Colorado had slowed down, we had a lot of friends there that had transferred to the Midland Odessa area. So we started looking around there. Well, we were familiar with the area. Yeah, we had know, friends there. Like I said, we had friends there and, and we were familiar and and uh, the Midland Odessa area is big enough that anything you could possibly need is there, but it still has kind of, I don't want to say small town because, you know, they're both, well, I think they said they're both around 150,000 people now, so they're not small towns, but the atmosphere there is not like the big it's towns. It's still a hometown atmosphere. Yeah, but... Uh, I looked at everything this real estate broker had and he, he said, well, I've got three more pieces of property, but they're a little further out west. And, uh, and I was okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I was down in this area and I had blocked off basically a week to spend down here looking for property. So I drove out here and it, it, a little further west, we're about, about 150 miles kind of west and south of Odessa, almost dead between Odessa and El Paso. Right, right on the Mexican border. Yeah, and the first piece of property I looked at was horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I went three miles down a road that I was scared to death I was gonna get stuck on because it was loose sand and I don't know how deep and mesquite thorns Ruts. as big as his hand yeah brush and just horrible we got to thinking about it and talking about it and it was going to cost literally over a hundred thousand dollars to get a road cut in a road cut in the brush cleared and, and a, a pad and built. a building pad built well that kind of wasn't that's not in line were. with what we wanted to do we was we were at a point in our life that we were debt free. And, Almost. Yeah, and we wanted to stay that way. So uh, I looked at the other two pieces of property that this guy had and, and when I looked at this particular piece that, that we bought, the first thing that really appealed to me is- He couldn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> It the, is very uh, remote. Yeah, it's very remote, and most of this area is brush covered. It's covered with chaparral and mesquite and yucca. And it's considered the high desert. Yeah, it is. It's desert. We're in the Chihuahuan Desert, but this particular piece of land, most of it was actually decent grass, and it was one of the cheaper pieces of property that we were able to buy outright. Right. So it all just kind of fell in place. I mean, it, you'll hear me say, you know, cheap land is cheap for a reason. Be sure, you know, to do a little research. The reason this land was cheap is because it was remote. We're, we're 23 miles from the nearest anything. Yeah. You know, even a convenience store, the nearest one's, you know, 23 miles away. Out of Van Horn, Texas. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, and that's the reason it was cheap. And, and the road that was originally cut in here 
had a horrible wash across it so you couldn't even drive to the property but it was a half a mile walk or so you know right. from where from the point you could get into with a vehicle but it was it was one wash that was narrow and deep yeah we knew that a culvert and a yeah. little bit of dirt work was going to take care of but yeah so we so we went ahead and I think Shelly had the thing bought and paid for before I even made it back home. I did, because uh, when you called me, it was it's a sweet story, really. Uh, he had spent the whole day out here on this raw property, nothing around, and we're surrounded 360 degrees by mountains. Now, not the Colorado mountains, of course, but it's a different type of mountains. And the grass, and this was... I can't remember what time of year it was, but it was cold. It was winter. And, it was in February, I believe. Yeah, and it was cold in Colorado, and he would send me uh, text messages, of pictures of his bare feet, you know, in the sunshine. And he had spent the whole day out on this property, and he called me, and he says, I don't know what it is about this place, but I just, I feel like I'm home. And that's all it took for me. If that's what he liked, uh, we did some you know did some research and of course and i we can't stress this enough because where we live it happens all the time people buy property off of the internet sight unseen now we're not i i don't want to say skeptical people or cynical people but we don't do that so charlie came and got you know boots on ground he spent one whole day at the courthouse and the tax assessor's office and the water, water conservation district and making sure everything was on the up and up and literally before he got back to colorado i had wired the money to the realtor and we bought the property and like shelly said and i want to repeat it Cheap land is cheap for a reason. And a lot of times, you know, some of the property we looked at was, you know, I, I remember one in particular that was 40 acres that maybe, maybe 10 acres of it was usable because it had these huge arroyas and I mean washes big enough you could drive semi trucks through. They were they were big. And you know the the ad said that it was, you know, raw West Texas land. And it is. I mean it is pristine. Some of this land out here I'm pretty sure, you know, there's not many people in history seen. Right. Or even walked across. Or even walked across. But you know Pristine West Texas land is not what pristine... It's not an oasis. <laughs> you know, it's not what pristine mountain land in Missouri is. Or, you know, the prairies of Oklahoma and Kansas. You know, it's a different kind. And so many people buy property out here. And I had one gentleman come up and he had bought it. And according to the information he had it was about a half a mile from us just right off the payment <laughs> and i helped him locate it and it turned out it was like two miles further north and clear back at the the base of the mountains and it was i 
I would not go back in there without my four-wheel drive pickup, even in good weather. Right. You know, and he bought this with the understanding that it was right off the payment. Yeah, so, you know, do your, do your research, do your investigation, make sure everything's on the up and up, make sure you know what you're getting, you know, when you purchase it. But, so we got our land purchased, and you talk about a motivating factor, uh, and we knew. We had already decided, since we had been able to live very effectively, very successfully in Colorado on an off-grid system, we knew we were going to do that again. And Charlie was very excited about, about that. And so he started making trips back and forth down here, uh, getting the land ready to build a house on. And that's where we ended up in a shed to cabin conversion. That is what we live in now. Yeah, we uh, we sat down and I think what we did was a good thing. We had a couple of tablets of graph paper and we would sit and draw out design ideas for container living. You know, we started off thinking about the shipping containers, you know, and we would lay it out and draw it out and race it and change it and flip to the next page until we settled on the idea of the, the shed, the cabin. And we went that way for a couple of reasons. Uh, a lot of the work I did myself, we, we had some friends help out and, and stuff, but the lion's share I did by myself and in our way of thinking was, you know, this is an instant building. We set it up to buy it when they delivered. It's, uh, you know, has the doors and the windows and the roof and everything already on it. And it saved us a lot of time. And that was really one of the biggest factors of, of doing the shed to cabin. And, uh, it's, you know, I want to warn you up front, it, it's not to completely do a shed to cabin. It is not cheap like most people think. Most people think you can take one of these cabins and turn it into a house for a couple of thousand dollars. And, and that's, not that's not the reality of it. You know, the reality of it is, you know, by the time you insulate and put some kind of walls up and doors and all that stuff, you know, electric wiring, plumbing, you know, it, it adds up. So, I mean, don't, don't jump into it thinking that you're going to do it cheap. We bought the property in February, I believe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, our first cabin, our first shed was a 14 by 30 that, uh, we bought and we didn't like the the rent to own thing uh we found that the interest rate on that is just crazy and we're we're pretty frugal and so we decided just to pull money out of savings and purchase it outright so we didn't have that and i can't remember was that in may no it was late in april late in april okay and it, it's funny how that one came about uh we were talking to the lady that runs a, a local business that sells the sheds. And we told her what we were looking for. 
and she called us like on a Tuesday and said, I've got one you may be interested in. And she sent us all the details and a few pictures. And she said, the thing is, it's a repo. We're picking it up Friday. So to get this good pricing and no delivery charge, you have to take it Friday. <laughs> so we kind of scrambled. I, I and, had forgotten about that, but that's right. Yeah. So, so you had to scramble from Colorado. We scrambled and Shelly and I came down and uh, Kenny, a friend of ours from over in Odessa came over and we stayed, uh, stayed the night in the motel. Our theory was, you know, Friday night we were going to have a building out here we could stay in. So we stayed in the, uh, motel Thursday night and uh, we stayed out here and like I said this is late April and I was down here in February and it was in the low 80s and we were sleeping on the floor of this cabin in sleeping bags and sleeping bags with no insulation no electricity no electricity no heat no nothing and one of these late winter storms come through and it dropped down into the mid-30s. Oh, it was so cold. And the wind was blowing like 50 mile an hour. And you could actually, around the base of the walls, you could actually see where the dirt was blowing in under the walls. <laughs> and before the morning was over, we were all sitting out in the pickup with the heater running. And we had brought our generator with us so that we would have some electricity well to run the tools run tools and stuff and uh so we were able to make a pot of coffee and then we set out and pick up with the heater running because we we about froze to death <laughs> it was cold but that was another uh what's that called it it inspired us to yeah, get yeah. work done and so from that point forward charlie every chance he got was coming down here to texas and working on the cabin, putting insulation in, running the wiring, putting up sheetrock. And, and, and we were fortunate at the time, we had two businesses running, but we were able to reschedule things and- And, and get outside help. And you know, get outside help to help us with our businesses so that I could get loose and, and come down here and and it was a major deal. It's a, it's a full full day's drive each way, and uh, well, it's it's over twelve hours. Yeah, it, it's kind of dependent on who's driving. It was between ten and twelve hours, and and uh, so I would drive down one day and spend about five days down here, and then drive back. And man, I would I'd be a crazy man trying to get absolutely everything done I could because we didn't know when the next opportunity for me to come down would be. And you have to remember, or not you, you guys don't have to remember, Charlie has to remember, we were, uh, I'm gonna call it list driven. We had piles of notebooks with our plans and- Schedules. And, and schedules and how we were gonna do this and how we were gonna do that and, and everything and so we were really hooked up trying to get our tiny home
shed to cabin conversion done here in West Texas. And Charlie was making leaps and bounds, you know, with progress on the place. He had most of the sheetrock up. I don't believe the sheetrock was on the ceiling yet. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. The main room, we actually split the first building into two rooms. And the original plan was... That's what we were going to live in, a yeah, tiny we, house. We were going to have a, a 10 by 14 bedroom. And uh, the rest of the building was going to be kind of like an efficiency apartment that's, you know, living area, kitchen, all kind of combined. A little bathroom. Yeah, a little four by six bathroom. He was making leaps and bounds on that uh, as far as progress goes. And we started talking, okay, hey, this is going well. Uh, we're doing good. And in the process, I'm starting to uh, purge things and starting to get rid of stuff and, and downsizing because we'd been in Colorado about this, about 13, 14 years at this point. Right at 14 years. And we knew we were going to be living in a much smaller house. And we honestly, truly thought that that was going to be the bee's knees for us, that we were going to be able to do it. But we did know that we were going to have to have a storage shed. And so Charlie called the lady once again that we bought this shed off of and said, hey, we need a, what was it, a 12 by 12? Well, I was sitting down here with a trailer load of stuff and trying to figure out how tools and generator we could building put equipment. this all in this one building and live and i just i called shelly and i said this this can't happen we've got to have some storage space so i uh i called the girl that we'd bought the building off of and i said i need a, a storage shed and the only thing she had on her lot right then was a, a 12 by 12 and I was fortunate that we were able to get it delivered the next day. <laughs> and, and the thing is, in Colorado, we had built a, the construction trailer, we had built a room onto it, and it was about what? 600 square foot. And that was, we called it the bunkhouse. We had a, a spare bedroom in it, a storage room, and then the the big room that we had built on was my workshop and stuff. We called it the man cave. Yeah, and then we had the house that we lived in that was about 750 square foot. So, you know, we were intending on moving into a 400 square foot one cabin, you know. And uh, <laughs> so we sorted everything so that the first stuff I brought down was stuff we wanted to keep that we knew we wasn't going to need right away. Right. And we tried to arrange the storage shed so that the stuff that we would need, tools and things like that, were right inside the door. And before it's over, that shed was, <laughs> it was like Tetris. You know, that thing was packed full to the, to the, to the roof <laughs> and right up to the door. 
We even had a big pile right outside beside it with tarp over it. Yeah, you know, stuff that didn't necessarily have to be inside. And, but we're kind of jumping ahead there. Yeah. About that. But uh, once Charlie had got most of the sheetrock up, uh, he had got the, the wiring ran so that he could actually start the generator and have electricity in the house to run saws and and all that stuff or the coffee pot and lights we decided okay it's time to sell our house in colorado now this is well and part of it is we talked to friends of ours that were real estate agents and they were up front with us they said you know this kind of property this remote off-grid with the solar and everything would be a hard sell and they told us to expect at least a year if not two years to sell it just because it was going to be uh you know a, a lot of sale. well a lot of people were not looking for something that remote that oh probably four months out of the year it was four-wheel drive access only and right and it, and i appreciate that they were honest about it yeah you know? and they yeah. said expect at the very minimum 12 months and uh probably 18 months plus to sell your house and so where charlie was making such great progress with our our place in west texas he was spending a lot of time down here uh and we thought okay time to sell our house and so they came out did the i don't know what you call that you know they appra not appraised it but yeah they come out and they worked with us and hung out and we you know looked everything over and walked the property yeah and walked the property and and sat down and talked you know and came up with a price and that was in october yeah very first of october right and so we're thinking we have a year, a year and a half, possibly two years to work on our place in West Texas and we'll just go down there every chance we can get. <laughs> if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> All of those notebooks and legal pads that we had full of plans and projects and ideas and goals kind of got thrown out the window because after only three showings, uh, which we didn't have a single showing the first two weeks. Which, and, you know, we talked with the the agents, and they're like, well, you know, most people are not interested in, in 100% off-grid. They don't mind the solar, but, you know... They're scared of it. They're scared of it. They don't know. And, and so we, we talked, and I said, well, okay, well, let's just list them as dry cabins, and... We'll take all of our solar and water systems because we had a water system for both buildings. We had complete solar. solar systems for both buildings. I said, we'll just take all of that stuff and just sell it and as just sell it as you know, dry, like cabins. dry cabins for weekend getaways or whatever. And then lower the price. I think thirty thousand dollars is what they like said. That. Yeah. And when we did that. Then it's like two days later. We started showing it. Yeah, we started showing it, and they well, it was one day they showed it. Then the next day they showed it, and then it was a week. 
or more that they didn't. <laughs> and we had told them we, we have great Pyrenees that are uh, pretty protective of the property and, and yeah, just ask the propane guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the propane guy was fine as long as he didn't start towards the house. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we told him, you know, if you can give us 24-hour notice, that way we can make sure that one of us is there. And the dogs are put and up. And the dogs are put up and stuff like that. Well, one morning, the agent called and said, oh, we're on our way to your house. There's some people that want to look at it. And it was early in the morning. Yeah, and, it was. And it was know. snowing. It was. It was snowing. And, uh... So I cleaned like a mad woman. Yeah, we... The other thing, I wanted to make sure that when they come to show it, I didn't have a lawnmower tiller part on the front porch or something, you know? He does that. <laughs> but, uh... The, the people, they came, and they spent... They were there a couple hours. At least. And... Before they left, uh, we all went in our living room and sat down and was talking. We had coffee. You know, and, and I fixed coffee for all of us, and and we were just talking. They were asking questions about, you know, uh, stores in the area, which we had a little grocery store about 12 or 14 miles away, you know, and things like that, and what we did and where we got propane and that kind of thing. They were asking very smart questions. Yeah, very questions. pertinent questions. And it got around to we were talking about the snow. And, you know, and I was honest with them. I said, you know, in late spring, it, it's not uncommon to get up to two foot of snow, on fresh snow on the ground. And he asked, well, how do you deal with it? And... Uh, we had a big four-wheeler with a snow plow. Yeah, I said, well, I've got a four-wheeler with a snow plow and... And he said, well, you're asking this much. And, and uh, he said, what would it take for you to leave all the solar and everything here? And I told him what the... And the four-wheeler. And the, and the four-wheeler. And I told him the full at original asking price. And he stuck his hand out and said, it sounds like we got a deal. And we didn't take that to heart. Yeah, we didn't, you know... They, and it's funny the the real estate agent every time he would show it he's a very good friend of ours yeah he's a real good friend of ours and every time he would show it <laughs> we were 45 minutes from town so Shelly would wait about 50 minutes and then call him on his office phone and ask him if he sold her house <laughs> this day she calls him and, and says, I text him have you sold our house yet yeah. have you sold our house yet <laughs> and uh this day she calls him and and ask him, did you sell our house yet? And he's like, I'm writing up a contract right now. And it's like, we holy were, cow. We were stunned. And, yeah. I, and I, his name's Kevin. And I said, oh my gosh, Kevin. I, I Honestly, I was just calling to yank your chain. I wasn't expecting that. And he says, well, you're not going to expect this either. And I said, what's that? And he said, it's a cash sale. So you've got a 30-day close. And we went, what? <laughs> Yeah, this is... We were in no way prepared to move 14 years worth of stuff into a 400-square-foot house 12 hours away. <laughs> yeah. You know, from, from listing the property to close was 61 days. All together. All together. And a week And they or... told us a year, a year and yeah. a half. Oh, 
Uh, and it floored them that it sold that fast too. And uh, we, about a week before close, the buyers contacted us and said that there was something going on and they wouldn't be able to be here at close. It would, we closed, if I remember right, December 11th. December 12th. Is that what it was? We're very close. Okay. And they weren't going to actually be able to be there until after the first of the year and asked if, if we could winterize it and everything so that when they got there, you know, lines wasn't broke and all that stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Well, that was going to be great because that was going to give us about three extra weeks, <laughs> you know. And so, man, everything was perfect so we could take a breath so we quit running back and forth so hard and we had we were down to our place up there just bare necessities that we needed to survive or so we thought so we thought and everything <laughs> else was down here and when we show up at the abstract place the day to on closing there they sat with a huge U-Haul truck. A trailer. A pickup and trailer loaded. Everything they owned with them. And they were ready to move in. And we wasn't even completely out of the house yet. <laughs> and it's like, oh my. <laughs> so it turned in a couple days of panic and running. And believe me, he did not say, oh my. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, uh, colorful language thrown in there. So we hit the floor running the next morning. Uh, we loaded what we thought was going to be just a small amount of stuff. And it ended up looking like the Grapes of Wrath, Conestoga wagon. Oh, uh, I had stuff piled six foot above the back cab of my pickup. Oh, yeah. We had the nets over it. My car was stuffed full. We have five parrots and five large dogs. We end up having to go rent a U-Haul trailer to get the rest of our stuff into and took off for West Texas. And it took us, it was a long day. It was yeah. a very long day, yeah. about a 21, 22 hour day by the time we got up, got the trailer rented and loaded, loaded and, uh, and headed this way. And we honestly thought we had all these plans and we had done our research and we had figured out where we were going to put furniture and where we were going to put kitchen and and we were here I don't I don't think it was 2 weeks before we decided this is not going to yeah. work. Well, first thing is, you know, the one room that we had separated off that was going to be our our bedroom, you know, pretty much was full of bird cages. Yes, cuz we have large birds. We have macaws. You know, and so their cages are large. And and then also, we had no place to keep the dogs. So we had five dogs, all over 100 pounds each. In that, the house. That had to stay in the house with us. Because we did not have any sort yeah. of run or... And I, there's a lot of people that do, but Charlie and I will not put a dog on a chain. No, it's... Uh, and, Especially Pyrenees. And these... These Pyrenees, you can't, we couldn't just turn them loose or they would try to find their way back to what they knew as their home in Colorado. Or their territory, because yeah, they're, they're very territorial. Yeah, they're very territorial, you know, so they're looking for for <laughs> their place. So they stayed in the house all the time. And and that was our first project. Literally the, the next day after we woke up, 
Yep, the very first day we were here. Right. I mean, I got up and got dressed and headed for the local lumber yard and bought stuff to build a dog pen. And now, now I say dog pen, it's... It's a full acre. Yeah, it's an acre <laughs> in size. But, you know, we had not even really considered that. We hadn't. It you was know, not... When I looked back through our plans and our books, yeah. that was not... And there how was, we missed that, because those dogs are such a big part of our yeah. life, we did not factor in a spot for our animals, whether it was the dogs or the parrots. Yeah, Our bedroom was our bed was all the way up against uh, the wall and then parrot cages were lining the rest of the walls. Like I said, and they're large parrot cages. And so we, it, it wasn't very long. We thought, okay, this, this is not going to work. And then we missed something else, not just the dog pen or having a place to put the dogs. We missed with all of our research and investigation into the property, it never dawned on us. It it was one of the biggest hurdles for us to get over was we had to have an address. There has never been anyone live on this property. There wasn't even a road into this property. Charlie had to cut a road. And <laughs> we couldn't even begin to start getting our solar power supplies and our wind turbines or anything, anything shipped to us because we didn't have an address. And so if you guys out there are buying raw land, especially that is, in remote areas, in a remote area, yes, make sure that you find out if the property has a, a stab, an established address yeah. because you talk about wanting to pull your hair out. It, well, and it don't help that, you know, we're not on a named road. <laughs> no, we, you know, we're in the middle of the desert. Yeah, like I said, you know, there was roads plotted to this area that were never cut. Those plots were from 1980-something. Yeah, you know, and, and in our county, there is no mail delivery anywhere in the county. If you want mail... You go to the post office. You go to the post office, you get a post office box. <laughs> well, we couldn't even get a post office box because you had to have a physical address to get a post office box. <laughs> so that ended up, uh, oh, it took us a while. It was several weeks. Yeah. And we finally got that all lined out, got our post office box, and uh, I started ordering our our solar components and oh he was so excited you guys we were so blessed we were so lucky uh we're the only the only debt we had when we sold our house was our car payments and the minute we sold the house the proceeds from that we paid off our cars and so we were debt free and we had a pretty nice uh, well, we had the balance of that we had the balance of the sale setting in savings and Charlie was able to purchase exactly what he wanted as far as components and panels, panels and, and the wiring and everything exactly like he wanted. So different from how we started off in Colorado, 
starting off with little tiny 50 watt panels and piecemealing it uh, and upgrading it over time. We were starting out here with a big, I don't want to call it fancy, but very- It, it uh, was really, uh, as far as I'm concerned, top of the line. I mean, a top of the line system. Yeah. But uh, here's where that not having an address established played a part. We were have, having a terrible time getting stuff shipped to us because our address, though we had finally been given an official address, that address is not in anybody's system, whether it's the post office or UPS or FedEx. And so, oh my word, we I don't know how many miles we drove chasing UPS and FedEx trucks <laughs> and uh, found out at some later point in the game that if they couldn't find us, they just dropped them off at the local gas station. and Or the feed store. Or the feed store. And so we got to... That was... Uh, our wind generator. Yeah, our wind generator I went to the gas it. station. Yeah, and it was. I finally was able to track down our UPS driver's number, and I called him, and he's like, "Oh wow, there's another Charlie King that lives way out in the desert, the other side of town, and we just dropped all his packages at the Valero station." He said, "So I think that's where it's at." No one is sure enough. Yeah. So. You know? <laughs> But, so, then the the real work started. Uh, we kind of put the building the house on hold, or not building the house, but you know what I'm saying, you know, walls and cabinets and all that stuff. We kind of put that on hold because we were pretty sure that it wasn't going to be enough space for us. And uh, Charlie really wanted to get the solar up and going, and he did. And at first, our solar was literally leaned up against the side of our storage shed and wires laying across the ground. The inverters were hung on the outside of the cabin. Uh, with, with tarps hanging on. With tarps hanging over, over them, you know, stapled over them. And uh, then we got serious about it. And, but in the process of doing all this, we, like I said, we realized it wasn't going to be enough space. We were just not the tiny home type people uh, that we thought we were. And so we ordered another shed. That poor girl at that shed company, or the business that sells the sheds, <laughs> I think she thought we were pests. And so we knew we were going to order a 14 by 32 building, and we were going to put them together. So we ordered this cabin that we're setting in now with a cutout so that we could put the two cabins in an L configuration. Yeah, that way so when we build them together, we didn't have to cut a chunk out of the wall. They put that opening in it in the construction so and that it was- Reinforced it. So that it was supported good and everything. And I think it cost us $50 extra for them to do that. Right. So if you're planning something like that, you know, you know, ask about it because there's, there's a lot of options available when you order buildings. And the building finally got here and Charlie and his buddy that was helping him with construction and, and the rack where the solar panels and all of that stuff, 
they got to talking and they decided that we were going to leave the cabins about eight foot apart, eight foot apart and build in between them. And so we married the two cabins together with an eight by 14 extension. And in that eight by 14 addition is our hallway between the two cabins and also our bathroom. And we call it the laundry nook. It's where the washer is. No, we do not have a dryer. I chose not to have a dryer on purpose. Well, um, in, in this country, there's very seldom two days in a row that it's not hot, sunny. And windy. Windy, dry, or all the above. Right, and you so know? your laundry is usually, the pieces that you're putting on the line are usually dry before you get to the bottom of the basket. And so we married our two cabins together 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 <laughs> a 14 by 30 and a 14 by 32 with the 8 by 14 foot addition in between them and so i guess that makes us having a about 900 square foot uh, about 950 about 950 square foot living area and well it, and one of the reasons that we decided to build between the buildings i knew that the delivery truck was not going to be able to set the second building perfectly in place and that I was going to have to move it and I didn't know exactly how I would move it right that was or or any of that so in, in my way of thinking was that addition if we ended up you know an, an inch off and, and we actually did we ended up three inches off right but uh, in the building them between between them you know, we were able to build, instead of having a wall that's four inches thick on one end and 10 inches thick on the other end, you know, or something like that, I was able to hide that three inches in the building between them. Right. In the and it actually on the outside, you know, put trim there and it looks like it was intentional. Exactly. You know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, that's how we got started. We have a fully modern home. We have now, we have 12 315 watt solar panels. Yeah, close to 4,000 watts. And uh, to, can you tell them about the our components that we have? Uh, we're, we're running the, the 315 watt 36 volt panels, running series of three to the house. And the reason for doing that is higher voltage, lower amperage, you can run smaller wires or run wires further. And uh, they come into a, a breaker box, each set of them, and then they go into uh, two Outback FM60 charge controllers and uh, a, a 3,500 watt, 24 volt Outback inverter and uh, 16 six volt deep cycle batteries say that three times fast <laughs> 16 six, six volt, volt deep cycle batteries. deep cycle batteries and plus we have the wind turbine uh, plus we have the wind generator that has a completely separate uh, I bought as a unit it's the the complete setup it's the uh, 
I believe we bought it from Missouri Wind. Missouri Wind and Sun is where I got it, and it's uh, it's the controller for the wind generator where you can put a, a, a brake on to stop it and things like that. It's uh, a rectifier. It's a three-phase wild AC is the power it puts out. And the same thing there, you can run that wire from it a mile and not lose any any power. Uh, but it's got a rectifier that converts it back to 12, uh, 24 volt. It's got a charge controller, it's got a load dump, and, and everything all in one unit. And all of our panels are now on a wonderful two inch tubing. I don't know how high, how tall is that thing? It's close to 20 foot on the top end but we've got all of our panels on a, a metal welded frame that charlie did all by himself sunk into the ground with cement uh, like i said all of the panels all outback components uh the missouri wind and sun wind generator and the only thing we haven't discussed is our water supply now it is very expensive here to get a water well drilled and that's something as you're doing your research on property uh, most every county has a a water conservation district or a some of them called a natural research natural resource conservation service right but every about every county has some kind of water management or monitoring office uh, talk to those people and I mean they the lady here, she was able to pull up a map and show me every well that's been drilled within five miles of this place. and Which wasn't very many. Yeah, which wasn't very many. <laughs> and, you know, she had all the records of how deep they were, how much they produced, any water tests that were done on any of it. And we simply couldn't afford to have a well drilled. It was going to be... Uh, About $30,000 was what I was originally quoted. Right, and so we started off with buying water from the city of Van Horn and hauling it, and we have... 25 miles each way. Yeah, which is 25 miles each way, and that's hard on vehicles because water's heavy, and uh, we have... Uh, our tank is 600 gallons. We started out with... Our entire water system was a 600 gallon tank. I had it on our flatbed trailer and it was when we had to get water, we had to shut the water off in the house, unhook the tank from the pump and then take it to town and fill it and bring it back. <laughs> and you know, people don't realize there's a simple way. All you gotta have is a, a shallow well pump, a, a pressure, pressure tank, tank and some kind of water storage and and you set it up just like a shallow water well but you come out of the tank instead of out of a well right and so we have running water in our house now we're not still doing the water hauling from town yeah. we actually uh started taking care of some cattle that are free range in this area for a local rancher and he told us that we could have all the water we wanted from his well if we took care of his cattle, which we do. Uh, we even name them. Yeah. But it's only not even a mile away, so now we haul our water from a mile away, still with the, the large 600-gallon tank, but we now have... 1,200 gallons of 
the ICB tote tanks. Right, and they're for storage. They're all in not enclosed. They're all painted and stuff, so algae won't grow. Uh, our next project is to get them enclosed. We believe it or not, last winter our water lines and our water pump actually froze, which is unusual for this area, but it did happen, and so we want to. We do get winters, you know, during the winter, and and it does freeze, but usually it's, you know, maybe upper twenties for an hour or so before sunrise, and then it warms right back up. Well, last winter we actually had three days that it never got above freezing. And so that it turned into an issue. And so now uh, we're going, that's one of our next projects is to enclose the water supply. Uh, right now we have it, it's at the back of the house. We literally pull in with our trailer, offload into our, our holding tanks. And we have a shower, you know, a water at the sink. We have a flushing toilet. <laughs> and it just, it amazes me. Uh, the people's perception of off-grid. We had some very good friends. As a matter of fact, the rancher uh, stopped by, and usually when he comes by, yeah, we're usually out at the pens looking at cattle or horses or or something like that, you know, and, and talking about what we're doing. Uh, this is an open rangeland ranch, you know, and, and we're talking about some some uh, grazing improvements and things like that. And uh, this particular night, evening when he come by, he was more interested in the solar. And he was asking questions about it. And, and Shelly is like, well, come on, you know, come in, take a look. And he walked in the door and he looked around and he's like, this is not what I expected. And he was I, amazed we had running water Yeah, he was amazed that we've got a, 55 inch TV on the wall. And His a, big thing was a refrigerator. Yeah, we got a 27 cubic foot side-by-side -side refrigerator with water and ice in the door. And, <laughs> you know, uh, a cook, yeah. propane cook stove. A and, microwave and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. And he was just simply amazed because his perception of off-grid was we were living in a box without uh, heat or cool or water. We have an air conditioner. We Well, and so many people especially in the past you know solar was so expensive that you know most people that had solar had enough to just run a few lights and you know they'd sit around in the dark and we have you know i'm, I'm going to say neighbors that are like that they yeah. have just enough solar to run their lights of a nighttime that's yeah. all they have you know and me man i ain't kidding you i can light up 100 yards all the way around his house with the outside lights. Oh, we kind of have to. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we live 10 miles off the border, so in the middle of nowhere, and we have coyotes and everything else that'll come right up in the yard. And but that's that's how we've progressed. I mean, we started off in Colorado piecemealing it together out of necessity because we simply didn't have the, the funds or the time to wait for electricity. Well, we missed that first important step, the research. Yeah. Yeah. And then now here we are, uh, four years later here in West Texas, and uh, it's taken about four years. We're almost done with the house. Uh, get the trim and the rest of the laminate flooring is all we lack as far as the inside of the house. We have established a rabbitry. We have a barn. Uh, we have a few cattle, 
we have two horses and we're just we're we're growing and and we're successful so we want to help those that keep uh, contacting us that that's the whole reason we're doing this to change people's perception perceptions of what it is to be off-grid and to help because and, when and we that's... first started off it was it was hard and by no means is this an, a, a simple way of life we we have to work at it but you know this year our garden for the first time our garden produced you know a Pretty bounty well. yeah and uh we're just we're so exhilarated and thrilled to be living this lifestyle we are and we're proud of ourselves you know and i know that sounds egotistical but we've done all of it by ourselves and not a single company have we had come in no, to help we, us. Uh, the one friend came over and helped with the, some of the framing and stuff. Our grandson helped with some of the sheetrock. And pretty much other than that, Shelly and I has done it all. You know, so if you're thinking about doing this, you can. You can do it. You just have to have the... the you have to have the grit. And well, and... and and one thing we kind of skipped over, as we started building, we went to Lowe's and- Oh my word. And I tried to buy absolutely everything we needed to finish the house all at one time. Don't do that. First off, it was a, a 12 hour nightmare. Inside Lowe's. In Lowe's. Uh, we, now, now, don't misunderstand. The people in Lowe's were fabulous. Yeah, it's they just, were very helpful. You know, we were buying lumber for framing, all of our appliances, all of our kitchen cabinets and countertops. And Electrical wire, Doors, insulation. Water pipe. Everything. Gas pipe. So, I mean, it's just time consuming. But uh, I thought in doing that we could save money. One, because... And buying it that way, we did get a big discount because we spent an enormous amount we, of money. The amount of money we spent, they gave us the contractor pricing. So we ended up, we saved a couple thousand dollars. Oh, easily, yes. But I think in the long run, we lost that in time. Right, because instead of working on one or two projects and getting the stuff for those, we now had this whole cabin that we're sitting in now was literally full of all of those supplies. Yeah, I mean, there was just enough room to walk around the outside of the pile. Right. And it was every time you went to do something, you would spend a half a day rearranging that pile to, to find that. something to get the parts you needed. And then, you know, by the time we got our kitchen cabinets in, I think we probably spent a half a day just <laughs> cleaning on them to get them where we could finish where they had been sitting here and they were covered with sheetrock dust and where we'd come through and you know splattered mud off our feet or whatever you know so you know and that that brings me to another deal and there's a lot of talk about it is you know setting goals uh, somebody the other day i was reading she had all these five-year goals set out and that's great and she had some good ones it was one of them she planned in five years to be able to raise and process all her own meat 
and to completely operate as a beekeeper to sell honey. Well, that's great, but when you set goals out like that, you work five years and don't really see any progress. And that's the way it was with this big pile of stuff. You know, the goal we had was building this house. And it's better to say, okay, we've got this amount of money in our budget, it's going to the kitchen. And you go buy absolutely everything you can for the kitchen. Right. And you do that project for a couple of reasons. It's, you know, in two or three weeks, you see a finished kitchen. And that just pumps you up and keeps oh, you going. Oh, you see your progress and it's tangible. Yeah, you know. You're, you see your pile getting smaller and smaller. And the way we were doing were, okay, we're, we're going to get all the insulation up. Well, then we were shuffling this pile around to where we could get ladders to get insulation in the ceiling and... And, and we were shuffling projects around. Yeah, you know, and it's all right. Well, we're five pieces of insulation short. So, okay, we'll pick it up the next time. And, and until then, we'll do this. And we get started on another project and then have to stop it to finish the insulation. And I, I think the, the trying to do it as a big goal instead of... Breaking it down into you know, smaller workable. Okay. The goal this week is to get all the insulation in. And you go to town and you buy absolutely everything you need and you get the insulation in. But and I then need the insulation. You, yeah, I'm sure you ended up did most of the insulation. <laughs> but no, and I think that's why there are so many people fail at this. Be, well, they, they set these humongous goals that are going to be hard to reach anyway. And they're so long term that you never really see the progress. Right, so set small goals or set a big goal, but break it down into workable. Yeah, segments, smaller right. areas, you know. So that, yeah, the goal is to have this house done <laughs> completely in five years. <laughs> or, and then, okay, you know, like most people, we live on a budget and you should be. And we're strict with our budget. Well, you have to be, you know, and, you know, set something that you can obtain. Don't set a goal that it's going to take you a year to get the finances for that. Because that whole year, it just, it works on your brain. That, oh, it'll just tear you, know? you up. And I think that's why there's a lot of people fail at this. You know, because really, they get at that point and they just throw their hands up and walk off. It's really funny you brought that up, you know, because <laughs> mm -hmm. I remember having an argument. Yeah, I know about, somebody does that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to throw any names out there. No, no. But we had an argument. Looks kind of like me. <laughs> Smells kind of like yeah, you. Yeah. Sounds kind of like you. But no, we had an argument and we don't argue. We've been married so long. We, we seldom argue. We, we have small tiffs. But I put my foot down and said, we have 4,000 projects going. I'm tired of it. It's driving me insane. I want the bathroom finished. And for, I think, about a week, we did nothing but work on that bathroom. We put the shower in, which is a walk-in 
a big walk-in shower. Five foot by six foot walk-in shower. The sink, the toilet, the tile on the floor, the towel racks, the mirrors, the and even the, uh, what do you call that, where you keep your towels, you know, the pantry. Uh, linen closet. The linen closet. Painted it, put the door on it, and you don't know how good that felt to step back and look at that turquoise blue bathroom and go, ta-da, <laughs> it's done. So that's what Charlie's trying to express here. Break your, your goal down, break it into segments or projects one or two at a time that you can accomplish and so that it is tangible and you can see progress. Well, if you set a, a, a big goal, whether it's big in size or big in time, or you set a huge goal in an unrealistic time frame, it makes you feel like you failed. It does, and you, you have a real problem with that. Yeah, you know, and... It, you're better off to say, okay, my goal today is to take a shower and put on clean clothes. <laughs> you know, and, and that's something that you can easily achieve. Even if it's kind of immaterial to the, the big picture, you set a goal, you've done it, you finished it, you were successful. It makes you feel successful. It does. And so, like I said before, if you guys are wanting to do this, if you're wanting to live this life, if you're wanting to farmstead, you can do it. Don't set yourself up for failure. Break each job up into little workable size jobs. And do your research. Learn. Anything you can stuff between your ears, you know, and learn is, is fantastic. And go for it. Do it. You can do it. We love our life. And if you have any questions, if you even need a pat on the back or just somebody to call and say, hey, I am so lost, find us at Way Out West Texas on Facebook, on YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram. Send us a message. I promise we'll get back to you. But... Okay, and... Kind of finish things up. Where are we headed from here? Where are we headed from here? We're. Uh, I'm going to die here. <laughs> I'm not moving no, ever no. again. I ain't either. I'm if never I leave here, I'm taking my clothes. I ain't taking nothing else. <laughs> that 10 hour away move was kind of it. <laughs> no, uh, you know, we're at a point that we're, we're both able. I'm not going to say we're not working. We're both able to work from our, our farmstead here. We've got... I work harder now than I ever have yeah, yeah. with any job. We got, you know, the rabbitry going on is... The chickens, we're, the cows, the you horses. Know, we're starting to, to see a return on some of that stuff. I make soaps and salves. Yeah, and uh, our plans are for a next spring to basically double the size of our garden yay uh, we got plans for expansion of the barn yep and that that is kind of up in the air because we don't know exactly yet what or how we're going to do it well we keep but, acquiring animals yeah, <laughs> yeah they just kind of show up here uh, we have started 
doing a little more of uh, our roadside stand sales. Uh, we're, we plan on in the spring and early summer to do a few more farmers uh, farmers markets. Yeah, we do those now, but we're going to do some more. Yeah, we're going we're going to do a little more of those. Uh, da, 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 da. I think that's about. Uh, we're we're getting our website up and going. That we'll have an online store. Uh, if you get an opportunity, check it out. It's uh, wayoutwesttexas.com. There's not much there right now, but take a look at what we're doing and follow us along as we do it. We're old and technologically challenged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, uh, uh, us and our son Tyler and his wife Teresa, did a real nice two-hour podcast last night, and we, I fired that puppy into cyberspace somewhere. I ain't been able to find <laughs> it since. But uh, check, like Shelly said, check us out on our social media. And, and always, you know, invite and share our stuff with your like-minded friends. Reach uh, out. We do have an email up and going. It's shelly.king at wayoutwesttexas.com. That's just with the Y. It's S-H-E-L-L-Y dot king, K-I-N-G, at wayoutwesttexas.com. And mine is charlie.king at wayoutwesttexas.com and it's C-H-A-R-L-E-Y dot king dot king at wayoutwesttexas.com if you have questions, comments uh, suggestions if for something you'd like to see us do uh, some YouTube videos or podcast on or, oh please let us know yeah let us know if especially if you're in a bad spot and and looking for advice we may not have the answers, but we may be able to point you to somebody that can. Right. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope to, to have you listen in on a regular basis. Uh, click follow, subscribe, notifications, whatever it takes, you know, so that you can see our content when we post it. Thanks, guys. You guys thanks. We'll see you next time. By the time you edit it, that'll be about right because there's a lot.